And so we're continuing on in our series uh, that we've called Both and Being a Balanced Radical. And what we've been doing through this series, if you're here, and there's a number of you here that I can see that are here for maybe even the first time, uh, we've been looking at a number of different uh, areas in the life of the church where we see uh, some degree of polarization. It's those things that you see when Christians uh, have discussions on Facebook where uh, one person might say something and another person might say something to balance them. And sometimes it's all lovely and all about balance. And sometimes it's just arguing in social media. And there's just a number of these different things that we, uh, that we talk about. And, and one of the great thoughts on this sort of polarization in the church, and it's more evident even in America than it is in, in Canada, is uh, this great piece of thinking in a book uh, by Rich Nathan called Both And, Living the Christ-Centered Life in an Either-Or World. Uh, we're looking at the idea that in some of these cases, on these things where people are arguing and the church is polarized, that the answer really isn't to sit in the center and try to balance it out by you know, being in neither camp or, or dealing with, with either situation. But on a lot of these, uh, the, the answer is really we want to be balanced by having our feet on sort of both sides of the, of the teeter-totter and, and, and bringing balance that way. And things like, uh, are we evangelical or charismatic? Well, we, yeah, we're, we're both. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit. We believe in the Word of God. We believe in the proclamation and communication of the gospel uh, through words, and we believe in the demonstration of the gospel. We believe that God meets us in endurance and suffering, and we talked about this last week, and we also believe sometimes he delivers us and he does miracles, and, and all of these different things that, that really people argue about, but really the answer is, is both and on, on so many of them. There's this wonderful quote that we looked at even in the introduction to the series, uh, and this is from a, a great... Uh, uh, leader in the in the Anglican Church many years ago, uh, who said this: "The truth is often not in the middle, and not in one in extreme, but in both extremes. And in some of these cases, that's what we're really saying here: is that that balance is maintained and health is maintained by really engaging in some areas that the church is drawn back from and pulled away from. And again, when I say balance, I don't mean that living small and living in a neither nor." I mean, a, a living in a both end. And this morning we're talking about uh, these two ideas, uh, proclamation and, and demonstration. And very often in the church, and this is one of the things that I sometimes even post about on, on social media. Sometimes I'll, I'll post uh, some quote from, well, I'll talk about it later, a great quote from Francis Assisi, uh, preach the gospel uh, at all times and if necessary, use words. Um, and... Uh, you know, talking about the, the need for us to, to demonstrate our, our faith. Um, but, but if I post something like that, well, people will say, well, you need to preach the gospel. And if I preach, say something about preaching the gospel, well, somebody will pipe up and say, no, we just need to live it. And the answer, of course, that we're going to talk about today is that it's really uh, both and. I'm going to just tell a brief story about uh, Billy Graham. Uh, Billy Graham, of course, is this phenomenal evangelist, probably the most famous American Christian in history, and most of you know who Billy Graham is, but uh, one time uh, Billy Graham was visiting, and uh, he was traveling around, as he always does, uh, with an organization his size, and, and him being an older man in his, uh, in his 80s, he was being driven around in, in, in a limousine, and, and Billy, you know, said to the limo driver, listen, driver, I've never 
driven a limousine. Can I, can I try it out? And, and the driver said, sure, but I mean, you've got Parkinson's, Billy, but sure, you can drive my limo. And Billy gets behind the, the seat of the limousine and starts driving down the road. And sure enough, Billy, of course, being an aggressive person as he is, is like speeding down the highway. He's just blasting down. And Billy gets pulled over. Uh, by the cops, and the cop uh, pulls over this limousine, and Billy rolls down the window, and the cop looks in, and he's, he's astonished. He's like, this is Billy Graham, and he knows, I don't know if I can give Billy Graham a ticket. And so he goes busting back to his, uh, his squad car, because he knows that sometimes when they pull over celebrities, you know, they give a little bit of uh, consideration on that. Uh, maybe we're not going to give uh, this guy a ticket, so he calls it in to the office, and he says, listen, uh, I've got someone famous in the car, and on the other end, the dispatcher says, well, well, who is it? Is it the, is it the governor, or is it a premier? And, and uh, he says, no, bigger than that. And he's like, is it the, is the prime minister? And the guy's like, no, it's, it's bigger than that. And the guy's like, well, well, what is it? Who it is? Who is it? And the guy goes like, I don't even know who it is. It's got to be like Jesus or something. Billy Graham's his limo driver. Graham's a big, big name. He's a big guy. And, and if you think about evangelism and you think about preaching and proclaiming the gospel and, and Billy Graham is what you think about, that's, that's an intimidating image, isn't it? That's an intimidating image. Like, look at Billy Graham. You know, he's counseled 10 American presidents. He's proclaimed the gospel to 200 million people in, in over 185 countries in the world. 2.5 million people have stepped forward to receive the gospel at his crusades. Uh, his lifetime TV and radio audience has topped 2.2 billion. He's a big, big deal. And uh, for most of us, 93% of Christians in Canada... And this is from a study uh, done called Hemorrhaging Faith um, that was done sort of in partnership with uh, a number of different Christian organizations, the EFC and uh, Youth for Christ and InterVarsity. Uh, 93% of Christians in Canada have never led another person into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and that in this study is defined as being present with somebody at the moment of revelation that uh, they want to follow Jesus or been sort of the first person that person has spoken to uh, when they've, you know, sort of made that decision. 93% of us in this room, uh, you know, have, have not had that experience of, of leading somebody to faith in Christ. But it's something we, we all long for, isn't it? It's something we all want. But when we think about evangelism, we think about sharing our faith. We think about, you know, we think about this guy. You know, we think about, you know, door-to-door evangelism. We had a Jehovah's Witness come to our door, even way out in the country, you know, last week. Uh, we think about gospel literature. This is the worst track ever. Anybody seen this one? Is this a good one to give your server in a restaurant? Disappointed this isn't real money. Satan also deceives, but Jesus saves. It's like the worst tip ever. Right? We just really hope you fall in love with Jesus. You know, you know, and any of us have been around for a while. I mean, people hardly use tracts anymore, but 
But if you grew up in the, in the 70s and 80s, this was how people felt they were proclaiming uh, Jesus' story, proclaiming the gospel. Maybe for you, it's more like when you're talking about sharing your faith and, and proclaiming the gospel, you're just talking about arguing about apologetics with a coworker at lunch. Maybe some of you have found yourself in this place, but, you know, that's, a, that's even a, I mean, I, I really, really believe it's important for us to, you know, delve into apologetics a little bit and to understand arguments for the faith. But, but for most of us, that's really in, intimidating to do, especially with where we're at in our journey, is to uh, consider having an argument with somebody about, about Jesus just based on, on a, whatever their intellectual framework is or yours or, or whatever. That's, that's a, a huge challenge for us. But most of us, uh, we really struggle with sharing our thing because... Uh, feel like we're hypocrites a lot of a lot of the time you know there's a there's a, a real thing inside of us when we talk about proclaiming the gospel or proclaiming the faith what faith where you know we've heard so much in the media and so much criticism coming against uh, christianity for this and so much pressure uh coming on us to to have our lives just perfectly together and perfectly right. I can only tell you this Jesus story if, if I'm really, you know, perfectly living it and perfectly demonstrating it in my life. For, there's a lot of cases where uh, we just, you know, we know we haven't lived perfectly among our friends. And so to open our, our lives and open our hearts up about Jesus is, is really intimidating. And of course, uh, the, the, there's, a, there's a big lie and a big trap in that in that, uh, the reason we're saved, and we're saved because of our imperfections. Jesus saved us from our imperfections, so that's part of the package. So you can't take it out of the equation when you're telling people your story. You have to proclaim the gospel as a broken person. You can't proclaim the gospel as a, as a perfect person. Uh, you proclaim the gospel broken. You know, uh, Mahatma Gandhi said this. Again, there's just some famous quotes. I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. If all Christians acted like Christ, the whole world would be Christian. And we feel the weight of that, don't we? We feel the weight of needing to have it all together and needing to be perfect and needing to uh, be able to demonstrate the gospel uh, perfectly as we tell Jesus' story. And most of the times, we simply don't feel like we can. And even from somebody like Billy Graham, uh, we are the Bibles the world is reading. We are the creeds the world is needing. We are the sermons the world is heeding. That's the first time I noticed that rhymes. Uh, <laughs> 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 you don't hear these things until you say them out loud. <laughs> Um, and that's, of course, a great challenge to us to, to learn to live our lives in a more holy way and to learn, learn to live our lives in a, in a more perfect way. But isn't it, isn't it intimidating, too? You know, looking back at that quote from Gandhi, I mean, we've responded really well to that, I think, as a church. I think OVV in particular and... Uh, Christians in, in Canada, and, and I think it's growing all across the Western world, this sort of deep sense of a need to repent for inaction on social issues. You know, we're called to social justice. We're called to care for the poor. We're called 
to care for the broken. We're called to care for the sick and to visit those in prison. And, and we're learning and, and we're repenting as a church in North America in a very, very healthy way uh, for that uh, kind of purely word-based and, and completely in some ways dissociated from reality Christianity that doesn't have a positive impact in people's lives in any way. And that's why we're we're connecting with groups like Interval House and why we're sending, you know, gifts to uh, kids in the developing world and why we're uh, working on so many other different levels in this church to, to make a difference socially. But at the same time, as we do these things socially that we're called to do, uh, we also have to be able to explain to people why we're doing them. That there also has to be language, and, and we know that there's lots of questions about the timing for that, and when to tell Jesus' story, and when not to tell Jesus' story. And, and you know, one of these great thoughts uh, came to me about this quote uh, from Francis of Assisi. And, and how many of you have heard, heard this and seen this on the, on the internet? I think I've even shared this in church uh, at the time, this quote. Uh, Preach the gospel at all times, if necessary, use words. And you know, we've landed on that in uh, a really strong way. We, we really, as a church, want to do that. And, and it's absolutely right that we're passionate about demonstrating the gospel and living it and walking it out. But so many Christians now, for, the, for them the pendulum swinging and this whole idea of proclaiming the gospel and telling Jesus' story and, and explaining the beauty of Jesus' story is, is being jettisoned. Uh, when I, I cited this quote about Francis to, to look it up and really understand how did Francis do this? Because St. Francis is known Uh, as this incredible uh, man of God with incredible passion for what we now call creation care. He he loved animals and he loved uh, trees and he loved nature and and, and walked very gently on the earth. And he uh, cared for people and and caused everybody he was leading to care for the poor in a a deep and rich and meaningful way. And we have this phenomenal uh, deposit from him of of this person who was a loving person, who was engaged in caring, who was very, very practically walking out the gospel. And we even in, in St. Francis of Assisi have the miracles side. We have miracles associated with life. We have this beautiful peace. And so I, I decided to say, what, does, what did Francis do about this question of preaching? And what I discovered was that this quote, preach the gospel at all times and if necessary use words, was not spoken by Francis of Assisi at all. The phrase doesn't appear in literature anywhere until 200 years after his death. That's not who St. Francis of Assisi was in completeness. He preached the gospel in up to five villages per day. And he was known as a phenomenal preacher. He was the Billy Graham of his day. He spoke the gospel with clarity. Uh, This great quote from Thomas of Salino, and this was written uh, in a biography of St. Francis of Assisi that was written three years after his death. It says, his words were neither hollow nor ridiculous, but filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, penetrating the marrow of the heart 
so that listeners were turned to great amazement. And so we see in him this incredible partnership between uh, social justice and serving and caring and loving and also proclaiming and demonstrating and sharing uh, the gospel. He, he was a both-and uh, kind of guy. And, and, and what I really believe is that pitting the proclamation of the gospel against the demonstration of the gospel is an unnecessary and harmful dichotomy. It's not a healthy thing to do at all. It's not a healthy way to live. It's not a healthy way to say that, uh, to be constantly going back and forth between one or the other and championing one or the other without uh, really championing both. That uh, we, we have to understand that to, to demonstrate the gospel and for people to understand the gospel and understand the Jesus story, they have to have at very least heard Jesus' name. Right? How many people come to spontaneous faith in Christ through the ministry of the Lions Club? Now, I love the Lions Club, and I love, like, acts of service and groups that do wonderful things like that, but, but they don't immediately connect people with Jesus and who he is unless there's language there to do that. So this is what I really believe. Demonstrate the gospel at all times, and because it is necessary, explain with words. And I'm going to show this to us in the scriptures. First, let's look at Romans uh, chapter 10, verses 13 to 15. And we, we shared this, I shared this passage briefly in the introduction to the whole series. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach? Or how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And it's worth for a moment focusing on that phrase good news because that word is gospel. The same gospel that it talks about uh, being uh, the power of God unto salvation elsewhere in the book of Romans. Right? The story has power. The telling of this story has power. And when you tell that story, the Holy Spirit infuses uh, these incredible words with his presence. And that's what it's talking about in that, in that description of St. Francis of Assisi's preaching. That when we share the story, the power comes. And especially when it's demonstrated uh, by our lives as well. The power comes. And so you and I, we've been in numerous situations where we've had this moment of wanting desperately to share the story. And if you're like me, those moments have been filled with incredible fear. Haven't they? Incredible fear. What I've discovered in, in, in my journey is that that power never comes until I open my mouth. That power never comes until I open my mouth and begin to tell the story. But if you open your mouth and tell the story, God infuses it with his presence, infuses it uh, with his life. 
and a little bit later on um, in, in the New Testament, in the book of, uh, in 1 Peter. Now, for, I'm going to turn to the slide in a second and we can read it together. But, you know, 1 P- Peter uh, was written in particular uh, to um, a group of Christians that were in a community that was uh, really under siege. A community that was really broken. I mean, they were being persecuted. Uh, wives who'd become Christians were being beaten by their husbands. That was legal to do in the Roman Empire at that time. Uh, family members were being beaten. Kids were being beaten. Uh, people were being persecuted in, in really physical ways for their faith in Christ. And and unlike this book uh, written to the Romans, uh, he was written, writing to a very, very small church that wasn't making an impact and wasn't really under siege in its time. But this book, First Peter, was written really to a, search, a church under siege. Uh, much greater persecution than we receive when we go to Walmart and someone doesn't wish us Merry Christmas. Uh, that's, that's what we think is persecution in our culture. Um, <laughs> They were in a hard time, and and how do you put forth the gospel in that culture, in that difficult place? And Peter's just writing to his friends. He says this, Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Uh, He calls people first to demonstrate the gospel. And, and, and again, we don't just see this in, in First Peter. We see this in Jesus' teaching, right? He's always sending people out uh, to, you know, preach the kingdom of God and heal the sick. You know, we see this, this whole thing happening together all the time. But he's saying, who's going to do harm to you if, if you're eager to do good? There's great safety in our good deeds. There's great safety for us in demonstrating the gospel. It's like a cloak of protection around the church. Uh, when, when, when what we do for society, what we do for people is seen when it's known. And, and call, or Paul calls us to let your good deeds be known before men. Let, let your works be, be known. Let people see that you're serving. Let people see that you're loving. It's going to provide safety for you in a culture that's hostile to you. Uh, it's the foundation of preaching the gospel. It's, it's what gets, gives you, gets you permission to tell the Jesus story. Uh, So do that. Uh, Look after people. Care for people. Who's going to harm you if you're eager to do good? But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. As you do that demonstration of the gospel and, and live it out, don't forget why you're doing it. Don't forget why you're doing it. Because Jesus saved you. Jesus reached you when you were broken. Jesus reached you when you were lost. Jesus reached you uh, when you were in pain. Don't forget that your platform is a platform. Don't forget. Always be prepared to give an answer 
to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Simply be, be, another way to say it is be processing language to describe the intersection of your life with Christ's. Be processing language to, to describe to people what is it about Jesus' story that's made you the sort of person who could help like this and who could live like this. Because it didn't, didn't come from you. It came from what Jesus did in you. So, so how do you just help people make that, how do you help people make that connection? And then do it all with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience. Do it all with gentleness and respect and maybe not $5 tracks that aren't any real money. Maybe we could take a step up from there. But do it kindly rather than arguing on Facebook or arguing over a cup of coffee with your friends at work or, or whatever it is. Do it with, with kindness and gentleness, respect. Right? This, what he's doing is saying do it in the character of Christ. Tell the story of Christ in the character of Christ. Billy Graham says this, it could be that one of the greatest hindrances to evangelism is the poverty of our own experience. The best place for you to tell Jesus' story is the place where you needed it most. We can, we can tell Jesus' story uh, in areas where we've been saved. Uh, the Jesus story is your story. There's no uh, delineation between the gospel and your story. It, it's unhelpful to think of that as a story that's outside you. And that's why we always say start with testimony. Um, and, and, and that sounds really cheesy. But start in your own story. Uh, Jesus' story, every aspect, every important theological piece of Jesus' story, every important event in Jesus' life speaks to you, speaks to you and who you are. He met you in those places, and he wants to meet uh, your friends in those places. Your hope is to be their hope. Give a reason for the hope that you have. And so the part in your story where you were lonely is the part where Jesus was born, a babe, in a little town in Bethlehem, where the creator of the universe came into being born in a, in a barn and went into the deepest, darkest part of the world and was physically present to it. When you were lonely, that part of Jesus' story is for you. And you know someone who is lonely. So put your arm around their shoulder and be with them and tell them about Jesus. The part where you were outcast is the part where Jesus came to the lepers and he touched them. That part of the gospel of Jesus is a part of the story that's for you when you were outcast. What Jesus did then, he did for you. And you know someone who's been outcast. You know that person in your school or in your workplace that nobody thinks is cool. 
that nobody thinks belongs, that nobody thinks fits. So you go sit beside that person and tell them the story of Jesus. Demonstrate the gospel. And you tell the gospel. The part of the story where you were poor and you had absolutely nothing to pay the bills is the part where Jesus took a coin out of a fish's mouth to pay his taxes. And so if you know somebody who's struggling with finances more than you are, because we all struggle, then you take some of your money and you give it to them. And you tell them the story of Jesus. The part of your story where you were sick and crying out for healing is the part where Jesus touched a paralytic and a hundred other people and prayed for them. You know someone who's sick. And so you pray for them. And you tell them about Jesus. The part of your story where you were in pain is the part where Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to comfort you. And you sit, so you sit down with the person who's in pain and you tell them the story of Jesus. And you comfort them. And the part of the st- your story where you feel guilty and you feel broken and you feel ashamed, that's the part of the story where Jesus died on the cross for your sins. That's the part of the story where the creator of the universe laid down his life for you. And so you speak words of forgiveness to that person who is feeling ashamed and you love them and you embrace them and you accept them and you tell them the story of Jesus. And when you remember that you're dying and you know that your life is at an end and you know someone else who is dying, you lay hold of their hand and you tell them about the resurrection of Jesus. That death has no victory, that death has no power, that death has no sting, that life is something that goes beyond the hospital bed, that goes beyond the grave and goes to eternity. When you're confronted with your mortality and you're in fear, you remember the resurrection of Jesus and you take your friend on that journey with you. And this is how we demonstrate and proclaim the gospel. And every single one of us can do that. And if we do that, if we do that, if we live that way, just walking our lives into people's lives and putting arms around shoulders and giving our money and telling the story of Jesus when we do that, 
that's when the church becomes alive. That's when the church begins to thrive. That's when the church begins to grow. And that's when the gospel explodes in a society. That's what's happening in South America. That's what's happening in China. That's what's happening in Southeast Asia. It's not happening by the Billy Grahams and it's not happening um, by the Great Crusades. It's happening as one Christian reaches another. In China, by the year 2020, statistically, if everything goes according to plan, China will be almost a Christian majority. And there's not a single superstar in that country. It's just you and me. Do we want to reach Carlton Place? Do we want to reach Ottawa? Smith Falls, Perth, Almont? Through our lives, through our home churches, however we do it, it starts with simply living radically and risking opening our mouths and risking simply giving of our lives. Every one of us. And if the church does that, Absolutely nothing can stop it. Absolutely nothing can stop it. And this is the great hope we have. This is the great hope we have.